Well, good morning. Hey, it's great to be here with you, and uh, if you're a guest, I want to give you a warm welcome as well, and if you're watching online, uh, I want to say I'm glad you are uh, tuned in, that you're with us as well. Uh, we have been in a series right now uh, called Suit Up, Fighting Back Against uh, the Devil's Schemes, um, and we've been studying, right, this, this protection and weaponry that the Apostle Paul tells us about in Ephesians 6 that he refers to as the armor of, of God. And so we've said we've got to put on the full armor of God if we're going to fight back against this spiritual enemy, this spiritual threat uh, to all of our lives, and if we are going to walk in victory. And that's my hope for all of us. That's my hope for us, that we'll experience what God wants us to experience as his followers, that what God wants us to experience as believers, what God wants for each and every one of you. Too many Christians, they have their salvation. It's, they know they're, or at least they, they're trusting that they're going to heaven when they die. Although I would say even a lot of Christians have fear about that and, 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 and maybe aren't so sure. But even, even more Christians are, are struggling in the now. They're not, they're not walking and living in the victory that Jesus has already secured for us today. And the hope in this series is that we're going to learn how to put our faith in these claims that the Bible makes and tells us about Jesus and claim them for our lives, okay? And uh, we talked week one, we, we talked about the, the belt of truth. Um, the belt of truth, we said it starts with truth. Everything else hinges. The, the other pieces of armor hinge on truth. So if we're going to know how to walk in victory, if we're going to learn what we need to claim, we've got to start with the truth. Last week we talked about the breastplate of righteousness. I made very clear. It's not, talking, it's not our righteousness. You are not going to walk in victory if you are looking to your own righteousness. <laughs> it is a righteousness given to us. That Jesus earned for us by fulfilling the law in our place and being our sacrifice. Friends, that's really good news. And uh, this morning, uh, it leads to this. It leads to peace in our life. We're going to be talking about the shoes of the gospel of peace uh, today. Okay? I want to go ahead and show you what Paul says next. This is the next piece of equipment of um, that uh, it makes up the armor of God. Verse 15 of Ephesians 6. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Okay? So he wants our feet to be fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Now, many people, when they read this uh, scripture, they, they think um, it's talking about being um, ready to share our faith with others. Um, but that's not, as I studied this passage, that's, that's not how I, I see it. That's not how I'm interpreting this, this text. I think uh, in fitting with all the other pieces of armor and what the context is here, um, I think Paul is talking about being ready to make our stand against the enemy. It's being ready to fight back against the enemy um, on, on the day of, of evil. It's, it's, it's being ready to, to claim our victory. When Satan tries to attack. I, I think that's what Paul is most likely referring to. Now, could I be wrong? No. Okay. So let's, um, we'll move on. No, I could be. Uh, but I'll say this. What I'm going to talk about today, regardless of which interpretation you have, is, is, is essential for us 
sharing our faith with others. Because we can't give peace to others unless we first have that peace for ourselves. I want to show you a picture of what these Roman shoes uh, would have looked like. We got a picture. I, I swear my wife owns a pair of shoes just like that. I was looking. <laughs> so, <laughs> so these aren't the most manly looking shoes in my opinion. Except for, look at the, look at the cleats that are on the, on the bottom of these. I didn't know about this. I, 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 I didn't realize that the Roman sandals had these cleats. I saw even some images where they're actual spikes. And what I learned about these shoes, um, which would have been very sophisticated, you know, for, for, you know, in the first century, but these, these spikes are so that they could take, they could make their stand. They could hold their ground against the enemy and, and not just hold their ground, trample over their enemy as well. Apparently, this is something the Romans would do, is that when uh, an enemy combatant went down, they would actually use those shoes to step on them, to trample them down. We're known for breaking bones using these shoes and obviously stabbing them with the cleats. This was something they did. They marched over their enemy. It was pretty, these, these were dangerous, is, is, is my point. And Paul's telling us to put on these shoes, I think he's saying, so that we can walk in victory trampling over the enemy. Too many of us live in fear of Satan. Too many of us live in fear of the devil. That's not how God wants you to live. He wants you to understand, you got the shoes. If you have the shoes of the gospel of peace, you are going to be able to trample on the enemy. Not because of anything you've produced or anything good in you, but because of what God has produced for you. Because of the good that, good things God has done for us. Ooh. We get, to, we get to walk in victory. And so I, I want us to understand this piece because that flows out of the gospel this morning so that we can walk in this victory. I would venture to guess some of us come in today maybe afraid. Maybe you're dealing with some kind of fear. Uh, maybe some of us come in today uh, feeling ashamed about something in our past or maybe it's a current struggle in our life. Maybe there's something else going on that's robbing you of your peace. That's what Satan wants to do. He wants to rob you um, of, of your peace so that you can't walk in victory. If you don't have peace, you, I don't know how you walk in, in, in victory. Look at something Jesus says, though. He says this in, uh, to his disciples just before he goes to the cross. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have what? Peace. I want you to have peace. What kind of peace is it? In this world, he says, you're going to have trouble. He's not talking about peace free from troubles in life. You're going to have troubles in life. The enemy is going to try to attack you in life. You will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. <laughs> That's the good news. Jesus overcame it. He, learned, he, he, he trampled over his enemy, and he's given us the gospel of peace so that we can trample over the enemy as well, which means even when the storm rages around us, friends, we can still have a deep abiding peace that surpasses all understanding. And if you have that, I would just ask you the question, what can the devil do to you? See, that's the victory. And that's what Jesus wants each and every one of us to walk in, to have. Okay, now as, as I was thinking about it this week, I, 
I realize, though, there's different kinds of peace. And uh, this morning what I want to do is I want to talk about three kinds of peace that we need if we're going to walk in, in victory. If we're going to be able to trample over uh, the enemy, uh, we're going to need all three of these. Kind of think of it like maybe a three-legged stool. Um, you know, if you don't have one of these in one of the legs, the stool doesn't work. So we, we need all three. So I'm just going to jump in. Okay, here's the first one. It starts with spiritual peace. You and I, we need, we need spiritual peace. Uh, one of the things I've observed about our culture today is like we, we obsess about our physical bodies, don't we? <laughs> like culture today, I mean, just kind of obsess about like, you know, taking care of ourselves and, uh, you know, the, the, the exercising and what we eat. I mean, some of you actually eat kale. <laughs> you know, I, I learned that if you cook kale in coconut oil, it slides more easily into the trash can, okay? Um, that's what I learned. But I, I've learned, like, our culture, we obsess about it. Like, and, and, and don't get me wrong, we should care about our bodies. Our bodies are temples and all that. But at the core of who you are, it, it, you are spiritual. That's the most important aspect of, of who you are. It's your spiritual being. That's, that's the, I don't like calling it the part of you, but that's the aspect of you that you, is most important and you're, that you should be the most concerned with taking, taking care of, okay? Look at what Paul says in Colossians 1. He says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, that's in Christ, in Jesus, and through him, through Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood, shed on the cross. So what this is teaching us is that spiritually, through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, through his sacrifice, God has made peace with us spiritually. We are now spiritually at peace with God. He goes on in verse 22 to say, now he has recon uh, reconciled you to God by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Okay, again, Paul here talks about being presented as holy in God's sight, free from accusation. He's not talking about your holiness. Would you really be free of all accusation today before God? Anyone want to raise their hand? It's not what he's saying. He, he's not saying we're free, but what he's saying is God has given us that holy righteousness so that we can come into the presence of God freely and be counted as holy and without and, and free of accusation before God. Not because of anything good in us, but because of the sufficiency of Christ and what he earned for us, the righteous standing he, he earned for us. So I... Um, you know, you could think of it this way. You think when Jesus was on the cross, maybe think of him like a magnet. Picture him like a magnet. And he, what he did is he attracted, as that magnet, he attracted all your sin, all your junk, past, present, and even future. He knew about your sins, your future sins. And he counted all of those in Christ on the cross where Jesus died with that sin. He, he took the punishment for that sin, the curse for that sin, and was laid in the tomb where the sin 
is dead and buried. But now you're a magnet too. You're a different kind of magnet, and you attract something else. What do you attract when you put your faith in Christ? You get his righteousness. His perfect standing, his perfect life, you, that gets, and you're covered in it if you're in Jesus. And theologians call this the great exchange. He takes your junk, you get his perfect righteous standing. Is that a good deal? Yeah. Yeah, that's a really, really good deal. And, and, and it, gives us, it gives us peace. This is why we have peace with God. Without Christ, I, 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 this isn't politically correct, but you don't have peace. You're, you're trying to trust in your works. You're trying to trust in yourself. And we all fall short of God's holy standard. We have to have that righteousness that Christ gives to us. And when we have that and when we're covered in that, we're protected in that, we get to come freely into the presence of God. There is peace between us and God because of Jesus, our, our sacrifice, okay? Um, you know, in the, in the temple, in, in Jesus' day, what you would do um, is you had, to, you had to go to this temple in, you know, the temple in Jerusalem to meet with, with God. God, that's where he dwelled. And more specifically, he, he, he dwelled in a chamber in the temple called the Holy of Holies. Holy of Holies. And the, only the high priest could go in there once a year. The high priest was allowed to go in, but it was a scary ordeal. And, and the, the high priest went in to make a sacrifice that would atone for the, the sins of Israel, to pay for the, through this animal sacrifice. And at least God would kind of cover over Israel's sin, kind of just turn a blind eye to it in, in a sense. Um, I, tolerate Israel. Because they were, by faith, making these animal sacrifices. But it was a scary ordeal for the, the high priest to go in there. He had to go through a bunch of rituals himself, make sacrifices for himself. Just to go in there, they would, they would actually tie a rope around his ankle because if he went in and he hadn't done some sacrifice right or um, he did something wrong while he was in there that he shouldn't do, uh, he could very well be struck dead by God. And they tied the rope around his ankle they weren't going in there after him. They're going to drag his dead body out of there. Okay? Are, are, there was some fear with God. Are you hearing that? And, and why? Because God is holy. See, too often we, you know, we grow up and we hear about how much he loves us and all that, and that's all true. But don't also, he's holy. This is an, this is an important being. <laughs> Weighty. Tells Moses, right, on the... Mountain. If Moses, if you even saw my face, you would die where you stand. I'm trying to paint a picture. I want you to understand how holy and important and powerful God is that, I mean, you could die going into this. And of course, at that time, there was a lot of fear with that, right? They understood this. And so there, there was a lot of fear and trepidation. And, um, and maybe it's where some of you are even today. That's kind of how you relate to God. You're just waiting for God to strike you down. You know, the, the lightning bolt. It's maybe some of you even came into church today. They just wandering like, oh, God, are you up? And, and you kind of live in fear. And at that time, they, they did. 
But what separated, like, the Holy of Holies door from the rest of the temple, it was actually a curtain. And it wasn't a small curtain. Don't, don't think like a, a small curtain. This, is, this curtain is believed to have been 60 feet high and four inches thick. So this is a, this is a, this is a really big, thick, heavy um, curtain that separated God's kind of concentrated presence on earth from everything else. But look at what we read in, in Matthew 27 when Jesus... Um, When he's dying on the cross, just as he dies. It says, and when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. Okay, so he, he dies. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. I mean, picture that, this giant curtain just, just. That was my best curtain ripping sound effect. But can you imagine that 60 I mean, it just rips in two. What is that? What was that telling us? You see, the high priest would come in and sacrifice an animal. Now Jesus, who Hebrews tells us is our great high priest, sacrificed himself once and for all so we don't have to continue making sacrifices because the ultimate sacrifice has been made. Now God is telling us, you don't have to come to the Holy and Holies to meet with me. I'm coming to you. This God who is holy, this God who is powerful, and in the Old Testament is striking dudes dead everywhere. I mean, he is. He says, now I'm at peace with you in Christ, and I'm going to come and I'm going to live inside of you. You better be empowered right now. Peter says, as believers, we partake in the divine nature. Oh, my goodness. If you understood what that meant for your life how powerful you are, how much authority you really have. The God of the universe resides in you because you are protected in the righteousness Jesus earned. Whoa! Mm, can you feel that power in that? Friends, this is, this is gospel. This is gospel power. Okay? I mean, how, so how do we, though, like experience the peace you know, the Bible tells us that we have peace. We'll trust that we have peace, but is there a way to actually experience that? <clears throat> uh, this past summer, Danielle and I, we went, on a, uh, we went on a road trip. We went to Colorado, and on the way back, we're driving back, we got caught up in this rainstorm. And I don't know if you've ever been driving through, like, a really bad downpour where it's coming down so heavily. Like, you can't, I mean, you're just trying to see the taillights, you know, from in the, of the person in front of you. And that's how I was, and, and you can imagine, if you've ever been like that, man, what happens? I mean, you start holding on to that steering wheel, you know, your knuckles start turning white. I mean, you're tense. And it's one thing when you're driving in a car, but here's what I've learned about our relationship with God. When, you, when you're in a relationship with God and you learn that this God, this God, this holy God comes and now lives with you, what I've learned you got to do, you got to learn to, you got to learn to let go and let God. Do you know what I mean by that? In other words, you got to get out of the driver's seat. If you want to experience his peace in your life, 
you see him show up in powerful ways in your life. You've got to get out of the driver's seat, and you've got to let him in the driver's seat. You, which, think about that. What he's saying is just let, let go. And let, let me take over. Okay, some of you, I, maybe it's a, a medical situation or something like that. I know I've talked to some of you. You're going to be going in for a procedure, and your life is literally going to be out of your hands. But your life is not out of God's hands. And maybe where you need to start is you need to, God, I, my life is yours. Some of you are in a relationship right now. You're trying to control a person. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's a child. And you're trying to control a situation. And maybe what God wants you to do is say, no, God, I, you take the wheel. I, I give it over to you. Some of you maybe need to do this with your future. Maybe some of you need to do this even spiritually. I had to learn how to do this spiritually. I'd love for us to be a church that knows how to do this spiritually where you, you ultimately, you're not the one trying to strive and earn and work. You're saying, God, I trust my soul to you. And then what you learn is he is good. And what you learn is he loves when we take that first step, when we surrender, that when we give it to him and say, God, I'm gonna trust you. And friends, that's where our peace is found. When you hand it over to him, you let him take the wheel. I think there's a song about that, isn't that? Jesus, Jesus, take the wheel. I like the follow-up version, Cletus, take the reel, but that's neither. I don't know if anyone's heard that one, but same idea. <laughs> so what do you do? You've you got to learn to let, let go and let God. You've got a handout. I, I put that in there. You've got to learn to let go and, and let God. It doesn't mean God at some points won't say that you need to take action, you need to do this, you need to do that. But it starts by learning to let go and, and let God. And by the way, when you do that, that's where now he can get the glory. Because if you're trying to do things in your own strength and in your own timing and in your own way, people are going to give you the glory. So God will say, okay, how's that working for you? I'd ask you that question. How, how's that working for you? But if you'll give it over to him, God says, I will show up and I will show off in your life. In fact, he says this through the prophet Zechariah. Zechariah 4, 6 says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. This is, by the way, this was spoken at a time of war when they were going into war. And what does God say? You're not going to do it by might. You're not going to do it by power. You're going to do it. You're going to win. You're going to be victorious by my spirit. Let me fight for you. Spiritual peace. Spiritual peace. This is the most important one. I spent the most time uh, talking uh, on, on, on this one. By the way, I just felt like to say this. You know, we're also, I, you know, how this idea of maybe giving God the steering wheel, uh, I, just, I just wonder if even as Christians today, are, are, we using, are we using worldly weapons to fight our battles? And I'm just going to throw this out there, and you can, you know, email me at joshkirsch at edinburghchurch.org. Listen, I'm an American, and I love this country, but I realize even the good I want for this country, God's got to do it. 
I'm concerned about the political and worldly powers we're trying to use to get our way. And I think this might be another thing we need to just let go and let God, okay? And see what God might do. And by the way, that's when, that's when God historically has shown up and shown off. Study, study the early Roman Empire that changed from the Roman Empire to the Christian Roman Empire. And Christians had no political influence. And God did something incredible. So I'll leave you with that. <laughs> but the second one, this one is important too, okay? We, we, need, we, we need mental peace as well. Not just spiritual peace. We need mental peace because a lot of us, we have this spiritual peace. You've put your faith in Christ, but you still don't experience that peace because there's a war going on in your, in your mind, okay? And so I want you to see, Paul says in Romans 8, 6, he says, the mind is governed by the, uh, that is governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. So in other words, it's like, who, who, who are you listening to in your head? Which voice are you listening to? Are you listening to Satan's voice? Or are you listening to, to God's voice? Which voice are you, are you letting govern your life? Are you listening to and following? Is it Satan or is it God? You know, I, I want to show you some, maybe some of the differences because maybe we wonder what, what is the difference between Satan's voice and, and God's voice? Well, Satan is going to speak fear into your life. God is going to speak, hey, trust me. Trust me. He's going to say fear not. It's the most repeated command in, in the Bible, by the way. 366 times. Do not fear. Do not fear. Do not be afraid, okay? So Satan's going to speak fear into your life. God's going to speak, hey, trust me. Satan's going to speak confusion into your life. He's going to want you to be confused so that you make bad decisions. God's going to speak clarity into your life and give you direction. Satan is going to speak discouragement into your life. God is going to speak encouragement into your life. You can do this. Satan's going to speak condemnation into your life. And God is going to speak grace and forgiveness in, in your life. And by the way, as I was putting this together, if you look at the, the voice of Satan, some of you know people like that, don't you? Even though our, 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 you know, our battle is against the spiritual forces, he, he does work through people. And I was just thinking about that. Like maybe there's some people in your life that you, know, you need to be careful around. Because it's actually Satan speaking into your life. I hope we all have friends and people we're surrounded with who, who sound like the voice of God in, in our life. But Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10.5, he says, Take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And this is Paul again using Roman warfare type language. And uh, what the Romans would do is they would, they would sack another kingdom or another nation, and then they would take captive the leaders there, and then they would replace, and this is the key, they would replace the leadership then with Roman leadership. And the rest of the kingdom and nation would then follow the lead of Rome, the Roman system. And this is what, what, what he's teaching us to do here. We've got to replace. So you've got to identify those voices in your head. And if you're hearing a voice that is not of God, if you're hearing a voice that is of Satan, you've got to learn to replace that. You've got to take that thought captive. You've got to put it to death. And you've got to replace it with what does God's word say? 
What is God's truth for your life? Friends, this is key. If you're going to have mental peace, you are going to have to learn how to identify those voices in your head, take captive the ones that are from Satan, and replace them with the word of God, with God's voice, what God says. And so, again, if you have your handout, the key here is you've got to start preaching truth to yourself. You've got to become a preacher. <laughs> You got to preach these truths. I don't know how you're going to walk in victory if you're buying into the lies. Okay? You, you, if you want peace, you're going to have to learn to replace those lies with, with God's word. So when God, you know, when, when Satan shows up and says, you know, God can't love you because of your past. God doesn't love you because of the sin you're currently struggling with and can't seem to overcome. You've got to learn to preach back Romans 8, 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When, when Satan shows up and tells you that you are unlovable and that you are all alone, You've got to learn Zephaniah 3.17. I love this verse. Listen to this. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Is that maybe a little different picture than some of us have of God? It says in heaven right now, you know what God is doing? If you are in Christ, he is singing over you. He delights in you. <laughs> Satan doesn't want you knowing these verses. Doesn't want you knowing these promises. When Satan shows up and says, you know, it's hopeless. You've screwed up. You've done something. There can be no redemption. You've got to fight back with Jeremiah 29, 11. You guys know my story. High school dropout coming out of drugs. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. You, you better learn how to preach these truths. You better know what these truths are and learn how to preach them if you want mental peace, okay? And God wants you to have peace of, of mind. So, so it's spiritual peace. I, I, need, I need mental peace. There's going to be days where, listen, I, and I mean this literally, you're just going to have to tell Satan, get the hell out of my mind. And I mean that literally. Get the hell out of my mind and let God's word come in and grow beautiful things into your life. Become a preacher. <laughs> I preach, honestly, because I preached to myself for so many years. I had to fight these battles. And I, I bet Yours might be different than mine, but I bet there's battles in your life that you need victory in, okay? I'm going to deal, deal with this last one very quickly, but the last uh, piece that we really do need is also relational peace. We need relational peace, okay? Um, if you have spiritual peace and mental peace, but all of your relationships are kind of messed up and out of whack, you're probably going to have a hard time walking in the victory God wants you um, to, to, to walk in. Now, the Bible's clear. It says, as much as it's possible, live at peace you know, live at peace with everyone. Some people are just, it's not going to be possible. But again, if all of your relationships, there's something going on there, uh, that's, that's probably a problem. 
And, um, you know, I was just thinking this week, something that should characterize our lives as Christians, it really does need to be humility. I mean, if, if we're Christians, listen, friends, we, we, we're to be like Jesus, who was humble and, and lowly. And um, he, you know what Jesus did? He tore down walls. Everywhere he went, he tore down walls. He tore down the wall in the, uh, in the, in the temple. The curtain, that's what it was. It was a wall. He tore it down. He tore down walls with the religious and the unreligious. He, he tore down walls um, with, with even people who wronged him personally. Like Jesus was, everywhere he was going, he was tearing down walls. And as Christians, that's what we've got to do. We've got to, we've got to tear down, we've got to tear down walls. How do we do that? We've got to show lots and lots of grace to each other. I just wonder, how, are the, how is the relationship in your marriage today? How's the relationship in your family today? How is the relationship in our church family today? Okay, are we going to be like Christ? Are we going to tear down these walls and show lots and lots of grace to one another? Is there anyone in your life right now that uh, maybe you just need to say, I'm sorry to? Tear down that wall. Hey, I, I, I wronged you. I did something wrong. I wanna, would you be willing to forgive me for that? Others of you, maybe you need to forgive someone. You need to tear down the wall by actually offering forgiveness. <clears throat> I love when Peter comes to Jesus and asks, hey, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Here Peter's thinking he's, you know, seven times, Jesus. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77. <laughs> Some translations, 70 times seven. Point is the same. You keep showing grace. Can we be a church that shows grace to one another? To our families, our spouses, to our church family as well? Let's do, can we just do that? I got to share with you, I'm sorry, one more scripture. John 13, listen, Jesus says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples. If you love one another, our greatest witness to the world is being a people who show lots and lots of grace <laughs> to one another. So how are you doing? How's, how's your peace today? Maybe some of us need some spiritual peace in here this morning. Is there anything you need to take your hands off and give to God so you can begin experiencing the peace he wants for your life? Is there any promise today and this week you need to start preaching to yourself? I mean preaching to yourself. Is there any wall that you need to tear down? The good news is in that in Jesus we can have all, all, all three of these. And when we have this peace, I'd ask again, what in the world could the enemy possibly do to you? Jesus overcame the world and so will you if you have this peace. So in a moment, we're going to take communion together, and I hope you were able to grab uh, one of these on your way in. Um, I think we have someone who can bring you one if you raise a hand. If not, um, but while he passes that out, I'm going to, I want to pray for us. Heavenly Father, we're going to ask you right now for peace. I believe there's some of us in here this morning, we, we actually, we need, we need your peace peace desperately. And the good news is that through Christ, through his, his body broken, through his blood shed, we can have this, this peace. 
today, right now, restored to us. And God, we're going to ask you for it. I'm going to pray every heart in here, everyone who's watching online, that our hearts would be filled to overflowing with the third fruit of the Spirit, peace that comes from you. May we walk out of here today walking in the shoes of the gospel of peace. We love you. We thank you for the sacrifice that makes this possible, that you would want to be a part of our lives. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you grabbed one of these, um, let's go ahead and take out the, you just peel the top off to get to the wafer here. You know, I was uh, thinking about it this week. This word peace actually in the Bible, it actually comes from a Hebrew word. And it doesn't so much mean tranquility, although that's part of it. It, it actually is the Hebrew word shalom, and, and what the Hebrew word shalom is, this idea of wholeness. It's this idea of being complete. It actually is this idea of God taking broken things and restoring them in our life. And do you know why God can do that? Do you know why he can take something broken in your life and restore it? Because Jesus' body was broken. And so, friends, if you want that shalom in your life, as we take communion this morning, let's remember the one who makes it possible. Let's invite that shalom that God can give us into ourselves, into our bodies, into our lives this morning. Thank you, Jesus. This cup represents the blood that was shed that brings us peace. And friends, recognize this is holy blood. This is righteous blood. This is powerful, life-changing blood. That's what this represents. This is peace. This is peace. If you want it to be in your life, if you want it to be a part of your life, your family, your marriage, our church family, let's invite it, let's invite Jesus in. Let's invite him in. Say, thank you, Jesus.